I'm one of those people because I don't, I don't know. I just don't. I like just being able just to kind of like step into them and then right back out of them. Yeah. So. Nah, I have to do a toe strap. I hike too much in them. So. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what I just realized, Jared? Like right before the service, Uncle Paul's like, only girls can do that. And then I attempted it. And then you and I just had a conversation about shoes. So. Yeah, I know. Like we're just. See, these are the interesting things that all of your friends who don't come to Camp Tapawingo don't ever get to experience because, you know, like there's one thing to listen to a podcast and wonder what in the world's going on, and then it's something completely different to actually be here and know what goes on. So, um, how you guys doing? Woo! Day four, right? Yeah, day four. Um... That's always exciting. Uh, today, let's see. Today is. Anybody watch Big Bang Theory? Today is anything can happen Thursday, right? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, fine. Um, most of my Thursdays are. In, actually, most of my days are anything can happen because like, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, that's always the fun stuff. Um, did y'all have fun at the lake yesterday? Okay, good deal. Um, Uncle Paul and I got a little worried, and I kind of mentioned this last night. We're standing up there talking, kind of watching everybody, and I'm like, you see that girl out there swimming? She's like swimming, like right out in the middle of the lake, and Uncle Paul goes, I wonder if that's one of ours. I'm like, I don't know, and he goes, who is it? We're standing at the pavilion. I'm like, I don't know, I can't see that well. And then he calls Miss Kathy over, and he's like, is that one of ours? And she goes, I don't know, I can't see it. So I, I heard mixing mixed stories that it was a Girl Scout or I don't know what it was, but I was like, well, okay, whatever. So So it was uh it was kind of fun. Um so I left here last night and like I told you guys, I have not had um sugar, dairy, or wheat, which is three of my favorite components found in Krispy Kreme donuts. And we've talked about Krispy Kreme donuts for so often last night that I drove by Krispy Kreme and bought some. And if you will look on the front, there is a tear because I did open the box because I wanted to smell what heaven was going to be like. (laughs) And I rode the entire way home with this box of donuts open and just filling my car. And then I left them in my car last night. And then when I opened up my car door this morning, I was knocked to the floor with the aroma (laughs) of heaven. I told Mariah, I'm like, you know, the Bible tells us that that in heaven, um, you know, there's going to be this marriage supper of the lamb. And I went to, uh, I went to my wedding last year. And, um, you know, we, we had our ceremony then we had our reception and everybody sat down and ate a meal and then everybody left and it was all done in just a few hours but in bible times like when they talk about like having a marriage supper these things were events that would last days and so i had always heard this little joke this guy comes up to god and he goes hey god how long is a minute to you and god goes a million years and the guy goes 
then he goes, okay, well, God, that's cool. He goes, how much is a penny worth to you? And God goes, a million dollars. The guy goes, wow. And he goes, hey, God, I've got a third question. He goes, yeah, what is it? He goes, can I have a penny? And God goes, wait a minute. So <laughs> is it too early, too late in camp for that joke to be funny? So. So with that logic in mind, a multiple-day marriage feast in heaven will go on for who knows how long. And here's the way I figure out. If God can make my little mansion in heaven smell like Krispy Kreme donuts because they are so near and dear to my heart, then that means that for that marriage feast, I can eat Krispy Kreme donuts all I want and not have like any side effects at all because I'm going to have a perfect body. And for those of you who are wondering, I'm in shape, round as a shape. A camper pointed out to me one time that round is also the picture of perfection. So you all can just stick it. I'm in perfect shape, okay? <laughs> so that is how that works. Um, this morning, we are going to be in the book of Judges. Uh, for those of you who have never, ever done anything out of the book of Judges, it is the seventh book from the beginning of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Um, usually when I make that little spiel, we're going to be in the seventh chapter, but we are not going to be in the seventh chapter today. We are going to be in the third chapter. Uh, this, was, this was a lesson that was uh, requested, and I am going to oblige because it was actually one of two lessons that I was thinking about doing this morning. And... Here's what I like about the Bible, is because a lot of times you can, you can look at one passage and you can get something out of it, and then you can go to another passage and you're like, oh my goodness, those are extremely similar situations, and you can get something else out of it. And so I had two lessons this morning that both have the same outcome, and so it was kind of a coin toss as to which one we were going to do, and when I walked in, Mariah said, hey, have you thought about doing this lesson? And that was kind of the confirmation which one we needed to go with, so... Um, so here we are. Um, here we are, and my mind is completely blanked out right now. Um, that's always a good place to be. That's always a good place to be. Bryce, did I see you get up and walk to the back to get a Bible? Well, I had the Oh, you just had a New Testament? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's what confused me. I'm like, Bryce read a verse to me this morning, and then he walked back to the back to get a Bible. So... I got a little confused, and I didn't know if it was just my age or what that made me confused. So, um, Judges chapter number three is honestly probably one of the strangest stories that I have ever read in the Bible. And I mean, and this ranks up there with, hey, Noah, I need you to build an ark because I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to destroy everything except for you and your family and the animals that you have. It's also right up there with David fighting a bear and a lion. It's also right up there um, with, and my mind just completely went blank on, on where I was going with that one. Um, I mean, people raising from the dead. It's just all these insane stories that you've got throughout the Bible. And then right here in Judges chapter 3, you've got this story. And you go, okay, well, what makes it strange? Well, I'm a movie buff. I love movies. Um, I saw my nephew yesterday, and he came running in. He was like, did you know that the Minion movie is coming out on July the 10th? And I'm like, yep. 
I already bought tickets. He goes, really? I was like, no. No, not yet. Not yet, but we're going. And he was like, we're going too. I'm like, I know. We're all going together. And he's like, really? Yeah. I'm also the guy that has, like, my calendar pre-marked for, like, all the Marvel movies that are getting ready to come out. You know, I mean, if they can make Guardians of the Galaxy a good movie, I'm kind of excited about Ant-Man. So, you know, I'm weird like that. Um, Charlie, my two-and-a-half-year-old, you know, I told you we nicknamed him Batman, which I know is DC and it's not Marvel and I don't really care because I'm not a comic book snob. Um, Charlie also loves Captain America. This is one that he has chosen for himself. But I think it's kind of influenced by his Aunt Christy, who's a huge Captain America fan. But Charlie calls him Captain Emerita, and, which for a two-year-old is awesome. And he has a shield. We got him a Captain America shield. And he runs around and he thinks that it's a gun because, you know, Captain America can point his shield at people and then, like, they fall over because they're shooting at him and all this bunch of stuff. And he doesn't throw it because he knows he gets in trouble to throw it. So he'll just go, ha like that with it. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to fall over. And then, like, I'll fall over and he'll run over and he'll go, silly, dudja. And then when I stand up, he'll turn around and smack me with his shield and I'll fall back over. <laughs> and then he thinks that's really funny, so he tries to do it again and again and again um, but he is uh, he, he gets excited about this and like I said with movies you know you, you got all the special effects but ultimately like what it boils down to is you've got a bad guy you've got a good guy you've got a good guy that for the most part has like this dilemma whether it's a moral dilemma or a you know physical handicap or something like that but that then Ultimately, he always overcomes it against all odds and defeats the bad guy, right? And you're like, Jared, you just told us a plot line of your, of your lesson this morning. Yeah, I know. That's fine. It's called one of those. I, I love the movies that start out, and I mean, like, immediately, like, you're in the action, and you're going, what in the world's going on? Oh, my goodness. Like, where's this? Ha da -da -da? You know, and then all of a sudden, it's like four days earlier. And then, like, you've got this whole lead up to what's going on. And if you're like me, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm older, like my brain stops functioning, and then it's like it gets to the battle, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that was the start of the movie. Okay, we're back up to like where we were. And, uh, but I, I like movies like that. And uh, I, don't, I don't really know why I do, but I do. So that's why I'm not really worried about, about kind of throwing out the ending to you. I am going to need a volunteer. And I will choose that volunteer at random in a little bit. So I just wanted to make sure, because I had already kind of pre-selected my volunteer. And so by throwing out the statement, I'm going to select a volunteer, I was waiting to see if that person's hand went up, which meant that they were going to be totally willing to be put up here on the spot without knowing what in the world was going to go on. Dude, love the Minion t-shirt. Um, so anyway, I, sorry, everybody like turns around and looks at you. I've got one that's a Minion dressed up as Batman. So it's like the best of both worlds for my son. He's like, Batman, Minion, Batman, blah. Okay. Um, if you haven't seen the Minion movies, that joke just went right over you. So, oh, okay, one last one since I, I'm totally all over the place today. Uh, the other day, Charlie came up to me, and he was like, Dudja? I'm like, yeah, and he goes, I hungry. I'm like, you're what? He goes, I hungry. I was like, what do you want? And he went, banana. <laughs> and I was like, do you really want a banana? And he goes, 
still eat that, Jeff. And I was like, so do you, do, do you want a banana? And he went, still eat that, Jeff. And I went, hey, Charlie, what? Do you want a banana? And he went, no. <laughs> I was like, great, awesome. So, okay, Judges, chapter number three, beginning in verse number 15. In the, they call it the book of Judges because this is a time in Israel's history before uh, they have kings. Like David comes later on, you know, in like the book of like 1 Kings, 1 Samuel, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, so this is the book of Judges. And what it is is God appoints these people over, over Israel and they literally proclaim God's judgment. Hey, Israel, you're doing bad right now. You need to turn away from what you're doing. You need to turn to God. And God kind of makes them the leader. Excuse me. And what's really cool, and this is going to be the point that we're going to get to today, is that each one of these people, and I mentioned this a little bit last, or Tuesday night, is each one of you all is created for a purpose. And each one of these judges has a different strength or a different skill set that is perfect for what Israel is going through at that time. And so you never really know, like, what's going to, what, what God's going to bring up in your life. And there may be a thing where God goes, hey, this is what I want you to do. And you may go, but I, I'm not prepared for that. And then without you really knowing, like, he's preparing you for that. Like, I wasn't prepared to be a dad. At least I didn't think I was prepared to be a dad. And then I realized that God had been preparing me all along to be able to, to become a dad very easily. And I love it. I love being a dad. Like, this has been one of the hardest weeks for me because I just got back from Dallas, Texas on Sunday after being gone for five days. And then I immediately come here. And I leave here at night and I go home to an empty house because my wife and my sons are staying with my in-laws this week. And so I get to see them for about 30 minutes in the mornings. And this morning, Charlie's 30 minutes with me was watching How to Train Your Dragon 2 which is fine. I like Hiccup. We love Toothless, you know, like, cool. They're coming out with a third one. Totally excited about that one. So, uh, y'all are like, man, you're talking a whole lot about movies this morning. So, but in verse, verse number 15, we are introduced to, or we are going to be introduced to a judge that is honestly one of my favorite ones because he's kind of like, not normal, not socially acceptable. He's kind of like the outcast. He's kind of the guy that, like, if you just saw him passing on the street, you would never think of him. I mean, he's kind of that guy, like, that's kind of represented in every little, like, teenage, you know, high school movie. You know, like, where did he come from? And then they go back and they do the flashback montage, and he was at every pep rally and all that, but he was just kind of like that little mousy kid that nobody paid any attention to. And then he's the hero at the end, and everybody's like, that was you? And he's like, yep, you know, that kind of a thing. So verse number 12, I'm sorry, I said verse number 15. Verse number 12, it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Verse number 15. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
And the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, or some people pronounce it Ehud, but we'll just say Ehud because I'm lazy. And the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. Now, the Bible does not mention something unless it is important. And if you've heard me do this lesson before, then you know where I'm getting ready to go. The Bible says, hey, we're going to introduce you to this guy named Ehud. He's left-handed. How many of you all are left-handed? Okay, I honestly did not know that my mom was left-handed until I was in sixth grade. And I went and I handed my mom a permission slip and I went, I went, here, I need you to sign this. And she went, okay. And she reached for the paper with her right hand and the pen with her left hand. And I was like, why are you grabbing the pen with your left hand? And she went, because I'm left-handed. And I went, really? And she goes, yeah, left-handed. And I'm like, when did this happen? And she goes, seriously? You've never noticed this before? And I'm like, no. Sixth grade, and I never knew my mom was left-handed. Like, I think a magical permission slip fairy, like, came to my home and, like, signed my mom's signature on stuff because I never saw her sign anything until I was in sixth grade. But the Bible tells us that Ehud is a left-handed man, and then it goes on to say he's a Benjamite. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, why is that significant? Anybody? Nobody? Here's why. The, Benjamin, the, Benjam, the tribe of Benjamin, or the Benjamites, all of the boys were taught to be ambidextrous, to use both their right and their left hand. And I know I just went right hand and left hand, but for you all... When I did that, you were going, oh, that's my right, that's my left. Okay. And, and for those of you who still don't know, I'll tell you a trick on how to remember that later. I'm not going to do it now because I don't want y'all doing it. Um, so just remind me that I need to tell you the trick to differentiate. But they're taught to be ambidextrous because the tribe of Benjamin is the army tribe. They are the protectors of Israel. Now, why is it important for soldiers to be able to use both arms? Just in case, they're like the Black Knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and one of their arms gets cut off, they've got the other arm to fight with. Tis but a flesh wound, exactly. Come back here and let me bite your knees off. Okay, so, like, that's what they do. So they're taught that. So when the Bible specifies that Ehud is simply left-handed, it doesn't say why he can't use his right hand. It doesn't say if, like, there was something like physically wrong with it or if there was just for some reason he couldn't grasp using his right hand. So the Bible tells us that he's left-handed, he's a Benjamite, so he's kind of an outcast because he's not going to be allowed to fight because he can't use his right hand. So verse number 16, and here's what I love about this. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit, or about 18 inches in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. Laurel, can you come up here? Can you, can you stand up here? Awesome. How you doing? Good. Are you embarrassed? You I did raise your hand. I know. You raised your hand to be a volunteer, so that's why. Okay, say hi to everybody. Okay, big. You're on stage. You got to do a big hi. wave. Okay, hi. Hi. Everybody know Laurel? Okay, Laurel, this is everybody. Hey. Okay, do you know everybody here? Yes, I guess. 
Okay, most, okay, everybody on the count of three, I'm gonna say this is Laurel, and then when I say this is, then you just say your name really quickly, okay? Okay, everybody, this is Laurel. Laurel, this is? Okay, apparently somebody out there is named Woo, because I heard that one, okay? So, I don't really know who that is, but you probably wanna stay away from that person. Okay, okay so, so, Laurel's like, Laurel and I just met backstage a little bit ago, so, um, I literally almost ran into her because I went around the corner and she was standing there. So that's why I stopped really abruptly. So are you like freaking out right now? Oh, I just don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Really, you're just going to stand there for right now. Okay. Yeah. But you're not left-handed, are you? No. Okay. Well, that's fine because this, this, this will be good. So the Bible tells us that Ehud makes a sword. And usually I have like a machete. But in the process of moving, I have misplaced my machete so have you ever held a machete okay it's longer than like your actually it's probably about as long as your entire arm so okay so do you know how tall you are I'm like 410 like <laughs> okay hang on a second <laughs> yep that's about right okay um <laughs> okay really quick story my wife is five foot three she claims and she's the tallest girl on her dad's side of the family and we went to visit her dad's side of the family and her grandmother because there was like 15 or 16 of us at her house every time we would sit a glass down she would grab it and throw it in the dishwasher well I got tired of this because I was anyway I put my glass on top of the refrigerator and she turned around one day and she went, now who went and put a glass on top of the refrigerator? And my wife's uncle goes, mom, who's the only person that can reach the top of the refrigerator? <laughs> so can you reach the top of the refrigerator? No. Oh, okay. How about like one of those little tiny refrigerators? <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. So I make fun of people that I, that I like. Okay, so. You can make fun of me because, like, we're eye to eye now. It doesn't matter. I'm six foot one. You're four foot ten and a half, ten. <laughs> you can tell somebody that you look somebody that's six one in the eye. Okay, there you go. So there you go. Life is all better now. What am I doing? I told you, you're just standing here, right? Do you want to go sit back down? I promise you, it's going to be worth worth being up here. Okay. So, so, Ehud is left-handed, Laurel is not left-handed, Laurel is right-handed. So back in olden times, if you had a sword and you needed to keep it at your side, which side would you put your sword on? If you're right-handed, okay, you would put it on your left. Why would you put it on your left-hand side? So you can grab it, so you can grab like this and pull out, right? See, that's when it's cool to have a machete because then you can pull out a machete, but I'm on your left side, so that would be kind of dangerous. So the Bible tells us that Ehud makes this sword. And it says that it's, it's sharpened on both sides. It's a double-edged sword. So it's not like a samurai sword. It's only sharp on one side and blunt on the other. And he, he makes it, and he gets the tribute, or he gets the taxes ready to go to King Eglon. And while he's, while he's headed down there, he has these people that are with him that are kind of helping to keep the treasure where it's supposed to be and help protect it. And so he gets to the king. And the Bible tells us that he's made this sword and he's put it on his right side. 
because he's left-handed, so the only way he can get it is from his left side. So are you, are you tired of standing up here? A little bit, sir. Okay. So you're going to get to kill me in a minute. Okay. So, so here's what happens. Ehud goes up, and he walks up to the guards, and he says, He says, hey, I have our, our taxes. I have our tributes to give to the king. And they go, okay, we'll just leave it here. And he goes, no, I need to tell the king a secret. Now, Israel, as much as they are in slavery to King Ehud and the Moabites, they're also an enemy. That's why they've been taken over. So when your enemy comes to you and says, hey, I've got a secret that I need to tell you, you want to listen. And one of the guards goes, okay, well, tell it to me, and I'll relay the message. And he goes, nope. I have to tell it to the king. So the guards go, well, we need to check you first. So they, he's standing there, and they go, we need to check you for weapons. And he goes, okay. And they begin to pat him down on his left side, and they don't find anything because they're used to dealing with people who are right-handed for the most part. So they start patting him down. Anybody ever seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Like the Kevin Costner movie, you know, like when they're going in for the execution, they're like going, no blades, no bows, and they're patting everybody down. But Robin Hood has it on his left side or his right side, knowing that he can sneak all these weapons in. It's kind of the same thing. So Ehud gets up there, and he goes into the, he goes into the king's chamber, and he's standing there. And Eglon's kind of laughing, and he goes, why are you here? And the guards are like, well, he says that he has a secret to tell you. And the king goes, okay, fine tell me. And Ehud goes, I can't tell you. I don't want your guards to hear it. And the king, for whatever reason, makes his guards leave. And the Bible tells us that Ehud follows him to the door and he locks the door. And then he turns around and he walks back up to the king and he goes, king, I have a secret that I need to tell you. And the king's like, yep, you've already said that. So tell me. And he goes, I can't tell you out loud just in case it travels through the door. I need to whisper it in your ear. The king's like, okay. So the king stands up. This is why you need to stand up. The king stands up, and as he begins to walk towards, no, you're down here because, yeah, we actually need to have the height difference. Here's one thing I failed to point out to him. The Bible describes Eglon as a very fat man. I don't know what very fat means. It just means that there was like a lot of him apparently. So, so as he gets up and he begins to move towards Eglon or Ehud to tell the secret, right when he gets close enough, Ehud pulls out the sword. There you go. Except you did it right-handed. There you go. And it says that as Eglon gets to him, that Ehud thrusts the sword into Eglon's stomach. I did this one time at camp, and some kid went. And then when he went to, like, jab me, he stuck his thumb out and poked me in the stomach. <laughs> I was like, thanks. So here's what's funny. The Bible says that, like, when that happens, that, like, the fat closes in around the sword. Kind of like my hand just did around Laurel's wrist. And Ehud is pulling and pulling, and when he gets his hand out, the sword doesn't come out. Y'all are like, really, on a Thursday? <laughs> Woohoo! This is in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just giving you the quick version. So here's what happens. Here's where you find the 
Bible tells us that the fat closes around the handle. So you imagine 18 inches is inside of this man. So that kind of gives you an idea of a little bit how big he is. And he begins to stagger around. And while he begins to stagger around, Ehud bolts for the window and climbs out. So, see, that was, that, was, that was just great method acting, like kudos to you. Hey, do you like Krispy Kreme donuts? There's only four in there. I didn't get a full half dozen, but you get four donuts all to yourself. Okay, so here is, <laughs> okay, Laurel, if nobody knew you before, you're going to know everybody now, okay? <laughs> hey, listen, she only has four donuts. She, she gets to do whatever she wants with them. But here you go. So Ehud runs out, and the king falls over, and like he's dying on the floor. Now you're like, okay, cool. What does that have to do with anything? Check this out, because this is one of my favorite parts. Here you go. Verse number 24, or yeah, 24. This is after all this has happened. It says, when he had gone, the servants or the guards came. And when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself. And you're like, Jared, what is it with you and reading about people relieving themselves? It says, surely he's relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. The King James Bible, if you all have that, it says, surely he covers his feet in the summer chamber. And y'all are going, what? <laughs> okay, just because we're all friends. If you're sitting in the summer chamber or the cool chamber or whatever, and you are using the restroom, what are your feet usually? They're usually covered, correct? Okay. Okay. Just for lack of a better term, in the words of like my two-year-old, he pooping. Okay? That's what they think. They go, hey, the door's locked. He must be in the bathroom pooping. So they stand there because they're like, we're going to leave him alone. You never mess with a king when he's on the toilet. Okay? That's just kind of the rule. In my house, that is not the truth. Charlie can unlock doors, and he'll come in, and he'll go, what you doing? <laughs> just sitting and he'll sit on the edge of the uh, edge of the tub and he'll look at you and we'll just have a conversation and I know y'all really wanted to know that but it's the best in the world and then to take it a step farther and here's why I hate having cats we have a litter box and when I have to go clean out the litter box Charlie comes running in and he goes what you doing cleaning out the cat box Charlie what you doing I'm getting the poop and the pee out of the cat box so that way they can use the bathroom what are you doing? I'm digging for gold. <laughs> and he'll go, oh, but like you hear him running through our house and he runs into the bathroom where his mom's getting ready and it's on the other side of the wall from where we keep the litter box and I hear him go, mama, mama, mama. And she goes, what, buddy? And he goes, Dudge it, digging gold. And she goes, what? And he goes, Dudge it, digging poop. And she goes, is he cleaning out the litter box? Uh-huh. Hey, Dudja. Uh-huh, what you doing? Oh. So the guards come running up. <laughs> there you go. Guards come running up, 
And they say, surely he's in the bathroom. And they waited there till they were embarrassed. Now, why they were embarrassed, I'm not really sure, but I kind of speculate that they're thinking, you know what? He's been in there an awful long time with that guy, and we're not in there protecting him. And that's our job. We need to get in there. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them, and there lay their Lord dead on the floor. So with that, every head bowed. Every, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <coughs> that is such an odd place to stop right there. So it goes on to tell us that Ehud escapes back, and he begins to tell everybody that, hey, the king that had us in slavery is dead. And they begin to rejoice, and Ehud is, is proclaimed a hero, and Israel is set free. They turn back to God until couple of chapters later where once again the chapter starts out with and once again the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and he raised up a judge and a few judges later is one of my second favorite judges was just Gideon but I'm not going to get into that story so here's what I want you guys to learn from this morning's story Ehud was a complete outcast in his social circle because he wasn't like everybody else because he couldn't do the same thing that everybody else could do how many of you all your friends are like a, the exact same person as you? That's It's okay. I don't have friends either. So So, you know, like not anybody, I guess, not anybody raising their hand because we're all so different. My wife, well, I saw one hand. My wife is the complete opposite of me. My wife has to have everything planned out, written down, checked off. She goes to the point, she has a checklist of everything she wants to do that day. And one of the things that's on her list is check off everything on the list. And she's one of those people that if, if she does something that's not on her list, she goes back and rewrites the list, adding in the item that she didn't do, just so she can put a check mark by it. She's not really that extreme. But she's pretty, like, that's the kind of shift that she runs. Me? I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> let's go do this. And she's like, that's not on our list. Give me your list and let's write it on there. And then, like, I'll start to write it. And I'm like, ah, you know what? Nah, let's not do that. Let's go do this. And, like, I am like, like, I don't know, something spastic in a situation that makes it even more spastic. Like, I don't know, my brain's not functioning today because all I've been thinking about since yesterday was donuts. So <laughs> that's it. It's no longer, Mariah, it's no longer that I have ADOS. Like the attention deficit, ooh, shiny. Like mine is now ADOD, which is attention deficit, ooh, donuts. So... <laughs> So that's, that's a scary place to be in life. But here's what I want you guys to understand. Probably his entire life, all Ehud ever heard was, you're never going to amount to anything. You can't even use your right hand. You're only left-handed. You can't even protect the tribe. You can't do anything. And then Eglon goes back all these years later, and he goes, hey, guys, we're not slaves anymore. I killed the king. And they're going... What? And I can just hear it. Like back in his village, there's some little old granny like sitting on her front porch, and she goes, 
little Ehud did what? And they're like, he killed the king. You're talking about little Ehud, the little gimpy kid that only had like, a, like his left hand, you know, kind of like Nemo. And they're going, yep, exactly like that. And she goes, he did what to who? And they're like, you know that big fat king? Yeah, he killed him with the sword, but they can't find the sword because it's stuck in him. What? As weird as this is going to sound, that can be your story. But here's what I mean by that. There can come a time where somebody goes, they did what? And they go, yeah, you won't believe it because God used them. And they went and they did this. And they're like, wait a minute, you're talking about like that little kid that never did anything. That did, you know? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that one. And they go, really? Yeah, this person, right? Yeah, like that can be you. Because God wants to use you in that capacity. What other people see in you as a shortfall or as a hindrance or as an oddity or something that just makes you strange and unpopular, God goes, hey, give that to me, and I'm going to use it. And you go, really? He says that? And I'll, yeah, because he says, I'm going to take the foolish things of this world to stupefy the wise, to make the wise go, what? And if you want any proof, you don't really have to look a whole big distance because uncle paul and i have had this conversation before like i love uncle paul and like to see what god has used him for and and i have I, i've known uncle paul since i was in second grade and i really hate to like admit that i've known uncle paul for almost 30 years and that's not a slight to like his age or anything some, Uncle Paul, somebody came up to me the other day and they go, did Uncle Paul have hair when you first met him? I was like, no. <laughs> no. Of course, when I first met Uncle Paul, I didn't have chin hair either. So, you know, it's, some things change, some things don't. But, but no, like I, I have seen, I, I, have, I have been with Uncle Paul and I have seen him do some things that, and I know he's definitely seen and heard me do some things that we both just go, what? But then, like, you see God use it and God turn it around. Like, some people think magic is a little silly. I have seen Uncle Paul do some amazing things with magic, and I have attempted to emulate him a little bit in, like, some magic tricks that, that he's taught me. And I, I mess them up, but God still uses them. But what I've learned from Uncle Paul is just a willingness to let God use you. And when you do that, amazing things happen. When you allow God to use you, when you step out of the boat and you go to him and you go, okay, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm here to do it, he does it. He's going to take that and he's going to use it. As long as you use it for his glory, you're going to see amazing things happen. And here's going to be the cool part, because there's going to be a time where you all are up in heaven at the marriage supper of the lamb and you're over there trying to get a hold of my Krispy Kreme donuts and somebody's going to walk up to you and they're going to go, hey, you have no idea who I am. But because you let God use you, what you did here affected this person and it affected this person and it got to me and it changed my life.
And that's probably one of the coolest things about speaking at camp is I'll have people walk up to me in Walmart and they go, hey, do you go to, do you teach at Tapawingo? And it's like, yeah. And they're like, I was there and you taught about this and like it really made a difference and now I'm doing this. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And it's a little stranger now because I'm getting older and so are the students that come up to me and do that. And so now they're actually like, hey, now I'm a youth pastor. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, I was used to them coming up and going, hey, I talked to my best friend in gym class the other day, and, and he got saved. It's like, awesome. And now you've got this guy coming up to you going, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. I've got 40 kids under me. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. And all because you decide to get out of the boat and to let God use your weaknesses with his strengths. It's such a cool place to be. So, with that being said, we really will pray now. And then I will have Uncle Paul come up and dismiss you. And then you'll let them know, like, where they're going next. And then I have something to tell them in reference to that. Correct, Mariah? Are we good to go? Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so very much for another day that you've given us. Um, it seems like only a few days ago that we were opening up chapel for the very first time. And Father, the week just goes by so quickly sometimes, and here's what I love. Our time may go quickly, but you are timeless. Father, our, our world may change, and our circumstances may change, but you were consistent. You were always the same. You were the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love it because you say that you are God and there is no one else. There is no other God besides you. God, we thank you that you are who you are, that you sent your son to die for us, that he rose again three days later and he has given us a life of freedom and a life of joy and a life of peace. Father, that you have given us opportunities to share you with a world that needs you. Father, may we be a light shining in a dark place, shining forth you. And we just ask all these things in your name. Amen. I'm one of those people because I don't, I don't know, I just don't, I like just being able just to kind of like step into them and then right back out of them. Yeah. So, nah, I have to do a toe strap. I hike too much in them, so. You know what? <laughs> you know what I just realized, Jared? Like, right before the service, Uncle Paul's like, only girls can do that. And then I attempted it, and then you and I just had a conversation about shoes. So, yeah, I know. Like, we're just... See, these are the interesting things that all of your friends who don't come to Camp Tapawingo don't ever get to experience because, you know, like, there's one thing to listen to a podcast and wonder what in the world's going on and then it's something completely different to actually be here and know what goes on so um how you guys doing Woo! day four right yeah day four um that's always exciting uh today let's see today is anybody watch big bang theory today is anything can happen thursday right Anybody? Nobody? Okay, fine. Um, most of my Thursdays are, in, actually most of my days are anything can happen because like, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, that's always the fun stuff. Um, did y'all have fun at the lake yesterday? 
Okay. Good deal. Um, Uncle Paul and I got a little worried, and I kind of mentioned this last night. We're standing up there talking, kind of watching everybody, and I'm like, see that girl out there swimming? She's like swimming, like right out in the middle of the lake. And Uncle Paul goes, I wonder if that's one of ours. I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, who is it? We're standing at the pavilion. I'm like, I don't know. I can't see that well. And then he calls Miss Kathy over, and he's like, is that one of ours? And she goes, I don't know. I can't see it. So I, I heard mixing mixed stories that it was a Girl Scout. Or I don't know what it was, but I was like, well, okay, whatever. So, so it was uh, – it was kind of fun. Um, so I left here last night, and like I told you guys, I have not had um, sugar, dairy, or wheat, which is three of my favorite components found in Krispy Kreme donuts. And we've talked about Krispy Kreme donuts for so often last night that I drove by Krispy Kreme and bought some. And... If you will look on the front, there is a tear because I did open the box because I wanted to smell what heaven was going to be like. <laughs> and I rode the entire way home with this box of donuts open and just filling my car. And then I left them in my car last night. And then when I opened up my car door this morning, I was knocked to the floor with the aroma <laughs> of heaven. I told Mariah, I'm like, you know, the Bible tells us that, that in heaven, um, you know, there's going to be this marriage supper of the Lamb. And I went to, uh, I went to my wedding last year, and, um, you know, we, we had our ceremony, then we had our reception, and everybody sat down and ate a meal, and then everybody left. And it was all done in just a few hours. But... In Bible times, like when they talk about like having a marriage supper, these things were events that would last days. And so I had always heard this little joke. This guy comes up to God and he goes, hey, God, how long is a minute to you? And God goes, a million years. And the guy goes, well, that's crazy. And then he goes, okay, well, God, that's cool. He goes, how much is a penny worth to you? And God goes, a million dollars. The guy goes, wow. And he goes, hey, God, I've got a third question. He goes, yeah, what is it? He goes, can I have a penny? And God goes, wait a minute. So <laughs> is it too early, too late in camp for that joke to be funny? So, so with that logic in mind, a multiple-day marriage feast in heaven will go on for who knows how long. And here's the way I figure out. If God can make my little mansion in heaven smell like Krispy Kreme donuts because they are so near and dear to my heart, then that means that for that marriage feast, I can eat Krispy Kreme donuts all I want and not have, like, any side effects at all because I'm going to have a perfect body. And for those of you who are wondering, I'm in shape, round as a shape. A camper pointed out to me one time that round is also the picture of perfection, so you all can just stick it. I'm in perfect shape. Okay, so that is how that works. Um, this morning, we are going to be in the book of Judges. Uh, for those of you who have never, ever done anything out of the book of Judges, it is the seventh book from the beginning of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. 
Um, usually when I make that little spiel, we're going to be in the seventh chapter, but we are not going to be in the seventh chapter today. We are going to be in the third chapter. Uh, this was this was a lesson that was uh, requested, and I am going to oblige because it was actually one of two lessons that I was thinking about doing this morning. And here's what I like about the Bible, is because a lot of times you can, you can look at one passage and you can get something out of it, and then you can go to another passage and you're like, oh my goodness, those are extremely similar situations, and you can get something else out of it. And so I had two lessons this morning that both have the same outcome. And so it was kind of a coin toss as to which one we were going to do. And when I walked in, Mariah said, hey, have you thought about doing this lesson? And that was kind of the confirmation which one we needed to go with. So, um, so here we are. Um, here we are, and my mind is completely blanked out right now. Um, that's always a good place to be. That's always a good place to be. Bryce, did I see you get up and walk to the back to get a Bible? Oh, you just had a New Testament? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's what confused me. I'm like, Bryce read a verse to me this morning, and then he walked back to the back to get a Bible. So I got a little confused, and I didn't know if it was just my age or what that made me confused. So um, Judges chapter number three is honestly probably one of the strangest stories that I have ever read in the Bible. And I mean, and this ranks up there with, hey, Noah, I need you to build an ark because I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to destroy everything except for you and your family and the animals that you have. It's also right up there with David fighting a bear and a lion. It's also right up there um, with, and my mind just completely went blank on, on where I was going with that one. Um, I mean, people raising from the dead, it's just all these insane stories that you've got throughout the Bible and then right here in Judges chapter 3, you've got this story, and you go, okay, well, what makes it strange? Well, I'm a movie buff. I love movies. Um, I saw my nephew yesterday, and he came running in. He was like, did you know that the Minion movie is coming out on July the 10th? And I'm like, yep, I already bought tickets. He goes, really? I was like, no, no, not yet. Not yet, but we're going. And he was like, we're going too. I'm like, I know. We're all going together. And he's like, really? Yeah. I'm also the guy that has like my calendar pre-marked for like all the Marvel movies that are getting ready to come out. You know, I mean, if they can make Guardians of the Galaxy a good movie, I'm kind of excited about Ant-Man. So, you know, I'm weird like that. Um, Charlie, my two and a half year old, you know, I told you we nicknamed him Batman, which I know is DC, and it's not Marvel, and I don't really care because I'm not a comic book snob. Um, Charlie also loves Captain America. This is one that he has chosen for himself, but I think it's kind of influenced by his Aunt Christy, who's a huge Captain America fan. But Charlie calls him Captain Emerita, and which for a two-year-old is awesome, and he has a shield. We got him a Captain America shield. And he runs around and he thinks that it's a gun because, you know, Captain America can point his shield at people and then, like, they fall over because they're shooting at him and all this bunch of stuff. And he doesn't throw it because he knows he gets in trouble to throw it. So he'll just go, ha like that with it. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to fall over. And then, like, I'll fall over and he'll run over and he'll go, silly, dudja. And then when I stand up, he'll turn around and smack me with his shield and I'll fall back <laughs> over. 
And then he thinks that's really funny, so he tries to do it again and again and again. Um, but he is, uh, you know, he, he gets excited about this. And like I said, with movies, you know, you, you got all the special effects, but ultimately, like, what it boils down to is you've got a bad guy, you've got a good guy, you've got a good guy that, for the most part, has, like, this dilemma, whether it's a moral dilemma or a, you know, physical handicap or something like that, but that then ultimately he always overcomes it against all odds and defeats the bad guy, right? And you're like, Jared, you just told us a plot line of your, of your lesson this morning. Yeah, I know. That's fine. It's called one of those. I, I love the movies that start out, and I mean, like, immediately, like, you're in the action, and you're going, what in the world's going on? Oh, my goodness. Like, where's this? Da, da, da. You know, and then all of a sudden, it's like four days earlier. And then, like, you've got this whole lead up to what's going on. And if you're like me, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm older, like, my brain stops functioning. And then it's like it gets to the battle. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that was the start of the movie. Okay, we're back up to, like, where we were. And, uh, but I, I like movies like that, and uh, I, don't, I don't really know why I do, but I do. So that's why I'm not really worried about, about kind of throwing out the ending to you. I am going to need a volunteer, and I will choose that volunteer at random in a little bit. So I just wanted to make sure, because I had already kind of pre-selected my volunteer, and so by throwing out the statement, I'm going to select a volunteer, I was waiting to see if that person's hand went up, which meant that they were going to be totally willing to be put up here on the spot without knowing what in the world was going to go on. Dude, love the Minion t-shirt. Um, so anyway, I, sorry, everybody like turns around and looks at you. I've got one that's a Minion dressed up as Batman. <laughs> so it's like the best of both worlds for my son. He's like, Batman, Minion, Batman, blah! Okay, um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the Minion movies, that joke just went right over you. So, oh, okay, one last one since I, I'm totally all over the place today. Uh, the other day, Charlie came up to me and he was like, Dutch it? I'm like, yeah, and he goes, I hungry. I'm like, you're what? He goes, I hungry. I was like, what do you want? And he went, banana. <laughs> and I was like, do you really want a banana? And he goes, silly Dutch. And I was like, so do you, do, do you want a banana? <laughs> And he went, silly Dutcha. And I went, hey, Charlie, what? Do you want a banana? And he went, no. <laughs> I was like, great, awesome. So, okay, Judges chapter number three, beginning in verse number 15. And the, they call it the book of Judges because this is a time in Israel's history before uh, they have kings. Like David comes later on. You know, in like the book of like First Kings, First Samuel, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, so this is the book of Judges, and what it is is God appoints these people over over Israel, and they literally proclaim God's judgment. Hey, Israel, you're doing bad right now. You need to turn away from what you're doing. You need to turn to God, and God kind of makes them the leader. Excuse me. And what's really cool, and this is going to be the point that we're going to get to today, is that each one of these people, and I mentioned this a little bit last or. Tuesday night, is each one of you all is created for a purpose, and each one of these judges has a different strength or a different skill set that is perfect for what Israel is going through at that time. And so you never really know, like, what's going to, what, what God's going to bring up in your life. And there may be a thing where God goes, hey, 
this is what I want you to do. And you may go, but I, I'm not prepared for that. And then without you really knowing, like, he's preparing you for that. Like, I wasn't prepared to be a dad. At least I didn't think I was prepared to be a dad. And then I realized that God had been preparing me all along to be able to, to become a dad very easily. And I love it. I love being a dad. Like, this has been one of the hardest weeks for me because I just got back from Dallas, Texas on Sunday after being gone for five days. And then I immediately come here. And I leave here at night, and I go home to an empty house because my wife and my sons are staying with my in-laws this week. And so I get to see them for about 30 minutes in the mornings. And this morning, Charlie's 30 minutes with me was watching How to Train Your Dragon 2, which is fine. I like Hiccup. We love Toothless. You know, like, it's cool. They're coming out with a third one. Totally excited about that one. So, uh, y'all are like... Man, you're talking a whole lot about movies this morning. So, But in verse, verse number 15, we are introduced to, or we are going to be introduced to a judge that is honestly one of my favorite ones. Because he's kind of like not normal, not socially acceptable. He's kind of like the outcast. He's kind of the guy that, like, if you just saw him passing on the street, you would never think of him. I mean, he's kind of that guy, like, that's kind of represented in every little, like, teenage, you know, high school movie. You know, like, where did he come from? And then they go back and they do the flashback montage, and he was at every pep rally and all that. But he was just kind of like that little mousy kid that nobody paid any attention to. And then he's the hero at the end, and everybody's like, that was you? And he's like, yep. You know, that kind of a thing. So... Verse number 12, I'm sorry, I said verse number 15. Verse number 12, it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Verse number 15, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, or some people pronounce it Ehud, but we'll just say Ehud because I'm lazy, and the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. Now, the Bible does not mention something unless it is important. And if you've heard me do this lesson before, then you know where I'm getting ready to go. The Bible says, hey, we're going to introduce you to this guy named Ehud. He's left-handed. How many of you all are left-handed? Okay, I honestly did not know that my mom was left-handed until I was in sixth grade. And I went and I handed my mom a permission slip and I went, I went, here, I need you to sign this. And she went, okay. And she reached for the paper with her right hand and the pen with her left hand. And I was like, why are you grabbing the pen with your left hand? And she went, because I'm left-handed. And I went, really? She goes, yeah, left-handed. And I'm like, when did this happen? And she goes, seriously? You've never noticed this before? And I'm like, no. Sixth grade, and I never knew my mom was left-handed. Like, I think a magical permission slip fairy, like, came to my home and, like, signed my mom's signature on stuff because I never saw her sign anything until I was in sixth grade. But the Bible tells us that Ehud 
is a left-handed man, and then he goes on to say he's a Benjamite. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, why is that significant? Anybody? Nobody? Here's why. The, Benjamin, the, Benjam, the tribe of Benjamin, or the Benjamites, all of the boys were taught to be ambidextrous, to use both their right and their left hand. And I know I just went right hand and left hand, but for you all, when I did that, you were going, oh, that's my right, that's my left. Okay. And, and for those of you who still don't know, I'll tell you a trick on how to remember that later. I'm not going to do it now because I don't want y'all doing it. Um, so just remind me that I need to tell you the trick to differentiate. But they're taught to be ambidextrous because the tribe of Benjamin is the army tribe. They are the protectors of Israel. Now, why is it important for soldiers to be able to use both arms? Just in case they're like the Black Knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and one of their arms gets cut off, they've got the other arm to fight with. Tis but a flesh wound, exactly. Come back here and let me bite your knees off. Okay, so, like, that's what they do. So they're taught that. So when the Bible specifies that Ehud is simply left-handed, it doesn't say why he can't use his right hand. It doesn't say if, like, there was something, like, physically wrong with it or if there was just for some reason he couldn't grasp using his right hand. So the Bible tells us that he's left-handed, he's a Benjamite, so he's kind of an outcast because he's not going to be allowed to fight because he can't use his right hand. So verse number 16, and here's what I love about this. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit, or about 18 inches in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. Laurel, can you come up here? Can you, can you stand up here? Awesome. How you doing? Good. Are you embarrassed? You did raise your hand. I know, you raised your hand to be a volunteer, so that's why. Okay, say hi to everybody. Okay, big. You're on stage. You got to do a big hi. wave. Okay, hi. Hi. Everybody know Laurel? Okay, Laurel, this is everybody. Okay. Okay, do you know everybody here? Most, I guess. Okay, most. Okay, <laughs> everybody on the count of three, I'm going to say this is Laurel, and then when I say this is, then you just say your name really quickly, okay? Okay, everybody, this is Laurel. Laurel, this is? Okay, apparently somebody out there is named Woo, because I heard that one, okay? So I don't really know who that is, but you probably want to stay away from that person. Okay. Okay, so, so Laurel's like, Laurel and I just met backstage a little bit ago, so um, I literally almost ran into her because I went around the corner and she was standing there. So that's why I stopped really abruptly. So, are you like freaking out right now? Oh, uh, well, I just don't know what I'm doing. Okay, really, you're just gonna stand there for right now, okay? But you're not left-handed, are you? No. Okay. Well, that's fine because this this will be this will be good. So the Bible tells us that Ehud makes a sword. And usually I have like a machete, but in the process of moving, I have misplaced my machete. So have you ever held a machete? Okay, it's longer than like your, actually it's probably about as long as your entire arm. So, okay. So, do you know how tall you are? I'm like 4'10". Like 4'10"? <laughs> okay, hang on a second. <laughs> yep, that's about right. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, really quick story. My wife is five foot 
three, she claims, and she's the tallest girl on her dad's side of the family. And we went to visit her dad's side of the family, and her grandmother, because there was like 15 or 16 of us at her house, every time we would sit a glass down, she would grab it and throw it in the dishwasher. Well, I got tired of this because I was, anyway, I put my glass on top of the refrigerator, and she turned around one day and she went, now who went and put a glass on top of the refrigerator? And my wife's uncle goes, mom, who's the only person that can reach the top of the refrigerator? <laughs> so can you reach the top of the refrigerator? No. Oh, okay. How about like one of those little tiny refrigerators? <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. So I make fun of people that I, that I like. Okay, so. You can make fun of me because, like, we're eye to eye now. It doesn't matter. I'm six foot one. You're four foot ten and a half, ten. <laughs> you can tell somebody that you look somebody that's six one in the eye. Okay, there you go. So see, there you go. Life is all better now. I told you, you're just standing here, right? Do you want to go sit back down? I promise you, it's going to be worth worth being up here. Okay. So, so, Ehud is left-handed. Laurel is not left-handed. Laurel is right-handed. So back in olden times, if you had a sword and you needed to keep it at your side, which side would you put your sword on? If you're right-handed, okay, you would put it on your left. Why would you put it on your left-hand side? So you can grab it, so you can grab like this and pull out, right? See, that's when it's cool to have a machete because then you can pull out a machete, but I'm on your left side, so that would be kind of dangerous. So the Bible tells us that Ehud makes this sword. And it says that it's, it's sharpened on both sides. It's a double-edged sword. So it's not like a samurai sword that's only sharp on one side and blunt on the other. And he, he makes it, and he gets the tribute, or he gets the taxes ready to go to King Eglon. And while he's, while he's headed down there, he has these people that are with him that are kind of helping to keep the treasure where it's supposed to be and help protect it. And so he gets to the king. And the Bible tells us that he's made this sword and he's put it on his right side because he's left-handed, so the only way he can get it is from his left side. So are you, are you tired of standing up here? A little bit, sir. Okay. So you're going to get to kill me in a minute. Okay. So, so here's what happens. Ehud goes up and he walks up to the guards and he says, He says, hey, I have our, our taxes. I have our tributes to give to the king. And they go, okay, we'll just leave it here. And he goes, no, I need to tell the king a secret. Now, Israel, as much as they are in slavery to King Ehud and the Moabites, they're also an enemy. That's why they've been taken over. So when your enemy comes to you and says, hey, I've got a secret that I need to tell you, you want to listen. And one of the guards goes, okay, well, tell it to me, and I'll relay the message. And he goes, nope. I have to tell it to the king. So the guards go, well, we need to check you first. So they, he's standing there, and they go, we need to check you for weapons. And he goes, okay. And they begin to pat him down on his left side, and they don't find anything because they're used to dealing with people who are right-handed for the most part. So they start patting him down. Anybody ever seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Like the Kevin Costner movie, you know, like when they're going in for the execution, they're like going, no blades, no bows, and they're patting everybody down. But Robin Hood has it on his, 
left side or his right side, knowing that he can sneak all these weapons in. It's kind of the same thing. So Ehud gets up there, and he goes into the he goes into the king's chamber, and he's standing there, and Eglon's kind of laughing, and he goes, "Why are you here?" And the guards are like, "Well, he says that he has a secret to tell you." And the king goes, "Okay, fine, tell me." And Ehud goes, "I can't tell you. I don't want your guards to hear it." And the king, for whatever reason, makes his guards leave. And the Bible tells us that Ehud follows him to the door and he locks the door. And then he turns around and he walks back up to the king and he goes, King, I have a secret that I need to tell you. And the king's like, yep, you've already said that. So tell me. And he goes, I can't tell you out loud just in case it travels through the door. I need to whisper it in your ear. King's like, okay. So the king stands up. This is where you need to stand up. The king stands up, and as he begins to walk towards, no, you're down here, because yeah, we actually need to have the height difference. Here's one thing I failed to point out to him. The Bible describes Eglon as a very fat man. I don't know what very fat means. It just means that there was like a lot of him, apparently. So, so. As he gets up and he begins to move towards Eglon or Ehud to tell the secret, right when he gets close enough, Ehud pulls out the sword. There you go. Except you did it right-handed. There you go. And it says that as Eglon gets to him, that Ehud thrusts the sword into Eglon's stomach. <laughs> I did this one time at camp and some kid went, and then when he went to, like, jab me, he stuck his thumb out and poked me in the stomach. <laughs> I was like, thanks. So here's what's funny. The Bible says that, like, when that happens, that, like, the fat closes in around the sword. <laughs> kind of like my hand just did around Laurel's wrist. And Ehud is pulling and pulling, and when he gets his hand out, the sword doesn't come out. <laughs> Y'all are like, really, on a Thursday? This is in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just giving you the quick version. So here's what happens. Here's where you really need to go sit down. We're waiting for you. The Bible tells us that the fat closes around the handle. So you imagine 18 inches is inside of this man. So that kind of gives you an idea of a little bit how big he is. And he begins to stagger around. And while he begins to stagger around, Ehud bolts for the window and climbs out. So, see, that was, that, was, that was just great method acting, like kudos to you. Hey, do you like Krispy Kreme donuts? There's only four in there. I didn't get a full half dozen, but you get four donuts all to yourself. Okay, so here is, <laughs> okay. Laurel, if nobody knew you before, you're going to know everybody now, okay? <laughs> hey, listen, she only has four donuts. She, she gets to do whatever she wants with them. But here you go. So Ehud runs out, and the king falls over, and, like, he's dying on the floor. Now you're like, okay, cool. What does that have to do with anything? Check this out, because this is one of my favorite parts. Here you go. 
Verse number 24, or yeah, 24. This is after all this has happened. It says, when he had gone, the servants or the guards came. And when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself. And you're like, Jared, what is it with you and reading about people relieving themselves? It says, surely he's relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. The King James Bible, if you all have that, it says, surely he covers his feet in the summer chamber. And y'all are going, what? <laughs> okay, just because we're all friends. If you're sitting in the summer chamber or the cool chamber or whatever, and you are using the restroom, what are your feet usually? They're usually covered, correct? Okay. Just for lack of a better term, in the words of like my two-year-old, he pooping. Okay? That's what they think. They go, hey, the door's locked. He must be in the bathroom pooping. So they stand there because they're like, we're going to leave him alone. You never mess with a king when he's on the toilet. Okay? That's just kind of the rule. In my house, that is not the truth. Charlie can unlock doors, and he'll come in, and he'll go, what you doing? <laughs> just sitting and he'll sit on the edge of the uh, edge of the tub and he'll look at you and we'll just have a conversation and I know y'all really wanted to know that but it's the best in the world and then to take it a step farther and here's why I hate having cats we have a litter box and when I have to go clean out the litter box Charlie comes running in and he goes what you doing cleaning out the cat box Charlie what you doing I'm getting the poop and the pee out of the cat box so that way they can use the bathroom what are you doing? I'm digging for gold. <laughs> and he'll go, oh, but like you hear him running through our house and he runs into the bathroom where his mom's getting ready. And it's on the other side of the wall from where we keep the litter box. And I hear him go, mama, mama, mama. And she goes, what, buddy? And he goes, Dudge it, digging gold. And she goes, what? And he goes, Dudge it, digging poop. And she goes, you cleaning out the litter box? Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Dudja. Uh-huh, what you doing? Uh. So the guards come running up. <laughs> there you go. Guards come running up, and they say, surely he's in the bathroom. And they waited there till they were embarrassed. Now, why they were embarrassed, I'm not really sure, but I kind of speculate that they're thinking, you know what? He's been in there an awful long time with that guy, and we're not in there protecting him, and that's our job. We need to get in there. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them, and there lay their Lord dead on the floor. So with that, every head bowed. Every, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is such an odd place to stop right there. So... It goes on to tell us that Ehud escapes back and he begins to tell everybody that, hey, the king that had us in slavery is dead. And they begin to rejoice and Ehud is, is proclaimed a hero and Israel is set free. They turn back to God until a couple of chapters later where once again the chapter starts out with, and once again the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and he raised up a judge. And a few judges later is one of my second favorite judges was just Gideon, but I'm not going to get into that story. So here's what I want you guys to learn from this morning's story. Ehud 
was a complete outcast in his social circle because he wasn't like everybody else because he couldn't do the same thing that everybody else could do. How many of you all your friends are like a, the exact same person as you? That's <laughs> It's okay. I don't have friends either. So So, you know, like not anybody, I guess, not anybody raising their hand because we're all so different. My wife, well, I saw one hand. My wife is the complete opposite of me. My wife has to have everything planned out, written down, checked off. She goes to the point, she has a checklist of everything she wants to do that day. And one of the things that's on her list is check off everything on the list. <laughs> and she's one of those people that if, if she does something that's not on her list, she goes back and rewrites the list, adding in the item that she didn't do, just so she can put a check mark by it. She's not really that extreme, but she's pretty, like, that's the kind of shift that she runs. Me? I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> let's go do this! And she's like, that's not on our list. Give me your list and let's write it on there. And then, like, I'll start to write it and I'm like, ah, you know what? Nah, let's not do that. Let's go do this! And, like, I am like, like, I don't know, something spastic in a situation that makes it even more spastic. Like, I don't know, my brain's not functioning today because all I've been thinking about since yesterday was donuts. So, <laughs> that's it. It's no longer, Mariah, it's no longer that I have ADOS. Like, the attention deficit, ooh, shiny. Like, mine is now ADOD which is attention deficit, ooh, donuts. <laughs> so so that's, that's a scary place to be in life. But here's what I want you guys to understand. Probably his entire life, all Ehud ever heard was, you're never going to amount to anything. You can't even use your right hand. You're only left-handed. You can't even protect the tra tribe. You can't do anything. And then Eglon goes back all these years later, and he goes, hey, guys, we're not slaves anymore. I killed the king. And they're going, what? And I can just hear it. Like back in his village, there's some little old granny like sitting on her front porch. And she goes, little Ehud did what? And they're like, he killed the king. You're talking about little Ehud, the little gimpy kid that only had like, a, like his left hand, you know, kind of like Nemo. And they're going, yep, exactly like that. And she goes, he did what to who? And they're like, you know that big fat king? Yeah, he killed him with the sword, but they can't find the sword because it's stuck in him. <laughs> what? As weird as this is going to sound, that can be your story. <laughs> but here's what I mean by that. There can come a time where somebody goes, they did what? And they go, yeah, you won't believe it because God used them. And they went and they did this. And they're like, wait a minute, you're talking about like that little kid that never did anything. That, that you know. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that one. And they go, really? Yeah, this person, right? Yeah, like that can be you. Because God wants to use you in that capacity. What other people see in you is a shortfall or as a hindrance, or as an oddity, or something that just makes you strange and unpopular, God goes, hey, give that to me, and I'm going to use it. And you go, really? He says that? And I'll, yeah, because he says, I'm going to take the foolish things of this world to stupefy the wise. 
to make the wise go, what? And if you want any proof, you don't really have to look a whole big distance. Because Uncle Paul and I have had this conversation before. Like, I love Uncle Paul. And, like, to see what God has used him for. And, and I have, I, I've known Uncle Paul since I was in second grade. And I really hate to, like, admit that. I've known Uncle Paul for almost 30 years. And that's not a slight to, like, his age or anything. Some, Uncle Paul, somebody came up to me the other day and they go, did Uncle Paul have hair when you first met him? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> no. Of course, when I first met Uncle Paul, I didn't have chin hair either. So, you know, it's, some things change, some things don't. But, but no, like, I, I have seen... I, I have, I have been with Uncle Paul, and I have seen him do some things that, and I know he's definitely seen and heard me do some things that we both just go, what? But then, like, you see God use it and God turn it around. Like, some people think magic is a little silly. I have seen Uncle Paul do some amazing things with magic, and I have attempted to emulate him a little bit in, like, some magic tricks that, that he's taught me. And I, I mess them up but God still uses them. But what I've learned from Uncle Paul is just a willingness to let God use you. And when you do that, amazing things happen. When you allow God to use you, when you step out of the boat and you go to him and you go, okay, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm here to do it, he does it. He's going to take that and he's going to use it. As long as you use it for his glory, you're going to see amazing things happen. And here's going to be the cool part, because there's going to be a time where you all are up in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and you're over there trying to get a hold of my Krispy Kreme donuts. And somebody's going to walk up to you, and they're going to go, hey, you have no idea who I am. But because you let God use you, what you did here affected this person, and it affected this person, and it got to me. And it changed my life. And that's probably one of the coolest things about speaking at camp is I'll have people walk up to me in Walmart and they go, hey, do you go to, do you teach at Tapawingo? And it's like, yeah. And they're like, I was there and you taught about this and like it really made a difference and now I'm doing this. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And it's a little stranger now because I'm getting older. And so are the students that come up to me and do that. And so... Now they're actually like, hey, now I'm a youth pastor. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I was used to them coming up and going, hey, I talked to my best friend in gym class the other day, and, and he got saved. It's like, awesome. And now you've got this guy coming up to you going, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. I've got 40 kids under me. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. And all because you decide to get out of the boat and to let God use your weaknesses with his strengths. It's such a cool place to be. So, with that being said, we really will pray now. And then I will have Uncle Paul come up and dismiss you. And then you'll let them know, like, where they're going next. And then I have something to tell them in reference to that. Correct, Mariah? Are we good to go? Okay, let's pray.
Father, we love you, and we thank you so very much for another day that you've given us. Um, it seems like only a few days ago that we were opening up chapel for the very first time. And Father, the week just goes by so quickly sometimes, and here's what I love. Our time may go quickly, but you are timeless. Father, our, our world may change, and our circumstances may change, but you are consistent. You are always the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love it because you say that you are God and there is no one else. There is no other God besides you. God, we thank you that you are who you are, that you sent your son to die for us, that he rose again three days later and he has given us a life of freedom and a life of joy and a life of peace. Father, that you have given us opportunities to share you with a world that needs you. Father, may we be a light shining in a dark place, shining forth you. And we just ask all these things in your name. Amen.